Hey, how's it going, folks? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Quoth the Kamza. How are you all doing? Is this my first publication this year? 2022? If it is, Happy New Year, everybody. We're at the 15th of January today, so in Scotland you can continue wishing people a Happy New Year until March, pretty much. <laughs> I hope you're all having a good time and doing well. You've got back into the swing of things. And hey, here we are, a new year. So, today I'm going to talk a bit about a Twitter post that I saw earlier this morning that went out that was questioning the value of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I found it incredibly interesting because at the moment, I don't know if you know, but I'm going through my my big book of AA, reading it aloud onto camera and publishing it on my YouTube channel, just as a way of getting through the big book, again, as a way of posting some long-form content on my channel that will hopefully garner some watch time and some subscribers, because, you know, I want to monetize and start to be able to afford to contribute to the household at some point this year. So that's my goal there, and as I'm reading it, what I'm finding interesting is that I am actually not getting as much out of it as I have done in the past. And I don't know if you know this, but last year, round about this time actually, I started reading, or actually I became aware of a kind of anti-AA movement out there that I previously was not aware of. There there are a lot of people out there who are anti-Big Book, anti-AA. They think it's a cult, they think it's dangerous, etc. So... I came up with the idea of researching the the anti-camp and coming to some clu- some conclusions and then maybe even writing a book. So that, that was my thought process. And so I did. I read one called The Real AA by Ken Raga, I think. And I've got another one called Cult or Cure... I think these are quite well known amongst the the anti-AA people. And I did read the real AA. I made some extensive notes as I read it. And I haven't read the other ones. So that project kind of fell flat a little bit. What I want to do is I want to go into it with an open mind. I don't want to be all evangelist about it. I want to acknowledge the other side and... You know, perhaps allow myself to to change my mind. You know, because we all have that prerogative. And what you what you tend to find, and this is what happened in this Twitter post, is that there are the people who vociferously believe in the twelve steps of AA and the Big Book. It is for some people classed as a holy book and that is exactly what this tweet said it said I wish I had brought it up I'm trying to find it on my phone as I'm talking here and I'm failing right here we are the AA big book is lousy literature the author will quote himself from pages earlier it uses pretzel logic and the religious philosophy is full of holes the devotees will quote the book like it's a holy text and any disagreement with it is heresy So that's from Curtis Evans on Twitter. I'll post his Twitter handle in the description so you can follow him and read the thread. 
So as you would expect, people piled on and this guy has got not a massive following on Twitter and he used the hashtag recovery posse, which is it's quite big on Twitter and I find it to be extremely useful. So what happened is people saw it and reacted. So when I first read it, I was like, oh, oh, here's a guy pulling a pin out of a grenade, throwing it in a room, closing the door. It's like, boom, and here they come. Some of the tweets that came as a result were thoughtful and considered. Some of them were, let's say, not so much. And I just found it fascinating to read. And as I read through it, I I found myself agreeing with some of the anti-sentiment, anti-80s sentiment. Because, and I mean, let's be fair here, I did get sober through the big book and the 12 steps. And I did go into this project believing that I would not be turned around. However, as I've said, as I'm reading the big book onto tape right now, I'm finding myself, you know, not agreeing with the way that it's written. Some of the language in it is archaic and out of touch. And there's the whole God thing, which we we like to put in inverted commas. And so, you know, I'm finding myself agreeing with some of the anti-sentiment and finding myself opening my mind up a bit. I'm not going to say that I'm on one side or the other because I'm not. I'm trying to remain open-minded whilst acknowledging the fact that I did get sober through the big book. But, now here's one of the things I have issue with. If the big book and the 12 steps are so so valid in recovery which for some people they are but if they are then why is the success rate so poor now these are statistics I don't know offhand. I've heard it said in the rooms that 1 in 10 actually stay and manage to find a decent length of sobriety I don't know what the success rate is for other methods of finding sobriety So I can't comment on those, but my question is, why is the success rate so poor? Now, it could be that it has nothing to do with the actual steps and the the book. It could be that addiction is hard, you know? I've just finished watching Dope Sick on the Disney Channel, which I highly recommend, by the way. It goes into the addiction that was brought about through OxyContin and Purdue Pharma in the States and lawsuits and all of that stuff starring Michael Keaton and it's extremely, extremely good and it portrays, it's one of the best portrayals of addiction I've ever seen on television so it could just be that addiction is hard and that's why the success rate of AE is so poor now what I'll say in in AE's favour is that having followed the programme and and continuing in many respects to follow it I have become a much more spiritually aware person and I've continued to grow in that area by reading more books listening to more podcasts Rich Roll for example is a podcaster whose content I really enjoy listening to. He gets on some fabulous guests and uh, he is also 
uh, a graduate of the 12 step program and he speaks about that on his podcast from time to time so but yeah I only talk about ritual because I see him as a kind of role model excuse the pun and that he along with others helps me in my journey into into growth you know spiritual growth which is what's keeping me sober and I mean, this is another recent conclusion which you may find interesting that after 16 or let's say 15 years because I started thinking this way last year 15 years of not picking up I've come to a conclusion that I wasn't sober even though I wasn't picking up so I'm trying not to use that word in that context because there are other things that I do that that come from that feeling of that something's missing you know the thing that made me drink, the thing that I'm exploring now through content and through through love, through spirituality, through meditation, through hope. It's it's a wonderful thing and I'm I'm growing as an individual who hadn't drank, who hasn't drank for over sixteen years, but who is now beginning to understand for me what sobriety actually means it means a spiritual wholeness it means not going to the fridge to eat chocolate when I've told myself that I'm not going to do that because it's self-destructive because I'm diabetic that kind of behaviour is is not the way I want to be and I'm finding similar thought patterns going through my head as I try to as I try not to pick up sugar or fruit and fibre cereal or even toast, you know, because I'm low carbs. I follow a low carbs diet. So when I find myself reaching for those things, it's, in my mind, it's no different from picking up a drink. Although the consequences are different, chemically different. I don't believe that they are spiritually different. And that can lead to some some dark nights of the soul, some depression, some anxiety, some, you know how it goes, negative feedback loops, right? So this is what I'm finding interesting right now. And this is, I mean, this chat here sparked by something I read on Twitter, which I find interesting. And it's something I'm, I'm going to, I would like to expand upon this kind of stuff. I would like even... Even perhaps to consider inviting the tweeter to come and record a podcast episode with me to start to explore these things and, and allow allow other people to express their points of view in a safe space and to, to broaden my understanding of of how other people see these things because, you know, I want to be humble. I want to acknowledge that I don't know everything. It's one of those life lessons, isn't it? That the older you get, the more you realise you don't know. I almost fell there, by the way. I'm on the slippery hill. <laughs> right at the bottom. Just about to get to the tarmac. And luckily I did bring a walking stick. <laughs> so, those are my thoughts right now. As I go into 2022, feeling feeling energised. Feeling excited. Feeling that talking into my microphone off the cuff like this is something that's worth doing and even if no one listens 
which hopefully isn't the case. Hopefully someone's listening. If you have listened this far, thank you. Please let me know on Twitter if you can, if you've got this far, at Camuel, C-A-M-U-E-L. But yeah, I'm feeling energised enough to to put these things out there to explore my thoughts because this, for me, really is where the rubber hits the road when I get to talk off the cuff about what's on my mind and, you know, go into it like it's... Like it's what I've learned to do from AA Shares is that you start speaking and see what comes out, and sometimes what comes out is good, sometimes it isn't, you know. But sometimes it is, and I'm trying not to to get in my own way. I'm trying to to be creative, and which is why I'm reading The Artist's Way right now by Julie Cameron to acknowledge that. I have a voice and I can explore my thoughts in public and maybe find my ten, my hundred, my thousand true fans. I don't know. But it helps me. It helps me to explore my thoughts, to come to conclusions. It's a bit like morning pages, which I'm really enjoying as well, where you write three sides of longhand each morning before you do anything else. But, I mean, that doesn't mean not making coffee, because who's going to do it before they have coffee? <laughs> <laughs> to do them both at once, that's the trick. Get some coffee, then do your morning pages. And yeah, just unblock the creative self. Stop worrying about how your content's going to be received. Just put it out there, man. So that's what I'm doing. Thanks for listening. I'll speak to you all in the next episode. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.